Well, welcome back to Crazy Face Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And we are excited here to share with you kind of a new series, kind of piggybacking on an old series, kind of pirating ourselves because we can do that. Uh, Here we are um, leaning into our biggest church nerdiness uh, in in a new church season. Back, way, way, way back, all the way back in 2021. Can you remember back that far? We had a series making the case for Advent. What is it? Why do we do it? Why does the church uh, keep time in this different way? And then we sort of like everybody gets what Christmas is. Sure, we know what Christmas works. But now the church does another weird thing. And after the um, the, the the holly has been put away uh, for most people's homes and the department store decorations have already moved on to Valentine's Day, the church year is, is again different and pauses for a season and a time called Epiphany. So where are we even going to go with that? What, what does all that look like for us? So I think we have to pause for a moment and ask ourselves a couple of very important questions. Okay. First, what is epiphany? Yep. Mm-hmm. Second, uh, uh, Erica asked this while we were uh, getting ready to record today of, is epiphany a day or a season? Uh-huh. And why do we observe it at all? Yeah. Um, because, Okay. We we know what it is because we are very much church nerds. Yeah. We are professional ministers. We we get paid to pay attention to stuff like this. Uh, but Epiphany always falls on January sixth, so that's not always a Sunday, right? And it doesn't always get moved to a Sunday, depending on what else is going on in your church community. Mm-hmm. So quite often, churches don't even necessarily like observe it, observe it. Right. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you have a special Thursday evening worship service, right? Because it's on Thursday this year. Yeah. Like the day. So so what is Epiphany? Why why is it there? Is it a day? Is it a season? Why should we care? Maybe we could zoom in and and talk from a historical angle for a minute. Like remembering that all these days that that now are church holidays you know, th- these didn't fall on tablets of stone or golden plates from God saying you must keep a certain calendar. But over time, over enough generations and centuries, um, the the early church sort of marked out it was important for them to pause and remember the coming of Jesus in this sort of big cycle uh, about leading up to Jesus' birth and then the actual birth event and then Jesus becoming sort of revealed to the world, which is kind of what Epiphany is, kind of like we do in Lent and Holy Week and Easter and the season that, that spills out of Easter on the other side called Easter time, that this season of Epiphany starts with a day that we tie to a particular story about the Magi and the star and all that. But it's also sort of this really, really ancient church rhythm of not just that Jesus has come, but that God's taken the trouble to say, hey, world, look, Jesus is here. And that Jesus is this this revealing of, of what God is like. I think I think that's like broad brushstrokes where where this is all headed right right but do i really need a day for that or a season for that if i already know who jesus is fair fair question (laughs) i mean i and here here's here's me as as church nerd who doesn't want to take things overly seriously but also finds it useful like 
there's lots of facts that I know that I don't need constant re-remembering of, but there are some things that are, are rhythms that by going through them year in and year out, they help sort of shape it's not just about head knowledge, I guess. It's about sort of shaping my faith again. So like that, that's, that's for me a part of why any of these seasons, Advent or Christmas or Epiphany are helpful. It's not that year by year I forget, hey, was Jesus ever born? Oh, good. Thanks, Christmas tree. You reminded me of that, you know, historical fact, but more about a, a, a way to focus. Oh, my goodness. This is about God coming into in humanity. And oh, my goodness, this is about God then communicating something of God's own self um so that we we sort of get why it matters that a child was born in the manger and all that and i find it interesting that over the centuries epiphany has been kind of pushed to the sidelines where epiphany was actually celebrated first for centuries before christmas was ever celebrated and you st- still get some of that feel in the Orthodox tradition where mm-hmm. what, yeah, what, what we are all, all we Protestants here are calling Epiphany, that's Orthodox Christmas. And that's the yeah. celebration of not just the birth of Jesus, but it includes the visitation of the Magi and that idea of the manifestation of Jesus and the way of, uh, maybe almost like the way the Gospel of John talks about the word that is God, that is with God coming and becoming flesh among us and revealing God's self. That's what this whole season is. But yeah, that's, that's a good point. Historically, this celebration or this way of talking about the coming of Jesus and being revealed to people was an earlier fixed church tradition than certainly than Christmas pageants and uh, live nativity scenes and all that. And what we now call Christmas. Yeah. Because the people that came to see the Christ child at what we now call Epiphany were not Jews. You know, it's not the shepherds coming, right. you know, we're, we're talking about magi, wise men, whatever you want to call them from foreign countries. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and I, I try to bring this out every time I preach on Epiphany, you know, we realize that from the beginning, from Jesus's birth, he was meant for the world, not just for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that for me is a big sticking point of epiphany is that you know the manifestation not just of jesus to bethlehem to jerusalem to israel but to the world Mm -hmm. i think similarly i you know the shepherds are in the magi are not in the same gospel reading but i really Mm -hmm. like nativity sets that include both yeah because to me epiphany and with the magi coming it's that reminder that Jesus is for the world, for the lowest of the low to the mm-hmm. highest it's of the high, high, that wherever you fall in the spectrum of, mm-hmm. you know, wealth or health or, um, you know, wherever you fall in that, in whatever spectrum you're looking at, Jesus is for you. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess I feel like that by itself helps make a case for why our ancestors in the faith carved out not just a separate mm-hmm. day but this season to to like to let it sink in that this isn't just let's recite the historical facts of in the in the days of emperor augustus when quinerius was governor of syria this is this is more than just reciting those historical facts but that sense of this is god reaching out to include the whole world and that that hits each of us wherever you are this is for you so I'm a, I'm a lectionary preacher, which I know we have talked about on this podcast many times, because 
I'm a lectionary preacher. Steve, you are m- usually yep. a lectionary preacher. Erica, you are not. No. Oh. So like we kind of have all of us at the same table. Um, but what I like about the season of Epiphany, so looking at it as an entire season of, and not just the one January 6th, yeah. but the Sundays between January 6th and the start of Lent, all of those lectionary readings, the gospels, they all make a point of some, they are revealing something about either the personhood of Jesus within the Trinity or about God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, overall arching, you know, what like, so, so for me, that is something that's really important about this as a season of every Sunday, we are looking and finding something out new about Jesus. Yeah. So the first Sunday after Epiphany is always baptism of our Lord or the Lord, um, depending on your church tradition. Um, so that's always something about Jesus's baptism and how it connects to our baptism and how that connects us in relationship to God. Um, and then there's usually a Sunday that is talking about Jesus's mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, I think that's just fantastic about this season is that every Sunday we are learning something new about who Jesus is and why he's here. Yeah. And I think as Christians, we are called to then try to follow in Jesus's footsteps. So that like that note of, well, who is Jesus? Who is this person that we are following and trying to model our lives mm-hmm. after? You know, can we do that without actually knowing who Jesus is? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's exactly it, that that the, the gospel writers themselves are trying to help us get to know who Jesus is. And they do that because they're concerned that we be people, not just who say that we are followers of Jesus, but then our lives come to take the shape of Jesus. And even for that matter, to know who we are loved by. I mean, this is about mm-hmm. getting like, it, it, sometimes it's weird to talk about God having a personality because, you know, God's infinite and, you know, beyond and almighty and all that. But I, I do kind of get the sense that the, the biblical writers want to give us a sense that God there's something particular about God that not, not like that God likes, you know, uh, Italian food, but not Thai food or that God likes Mexican, but not, you know, German, not, not like that kind of personality, like quirks or things, but more like that God cares about compassion as opposed to apathy, that Jesus cares about the welcome of outsiders rather than um, being his own little social club. And that part of revealing who Jesus is, is also showing something about the heart of who God is. And for that matter, um, so I serve a RIC congregation, which is a Reconciled in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very affirming subset of the ELCA, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every last Sunday of January is RIC Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, the RIC kind of gives you some new liturgy to put in your worship service um this year they have a video sermon that somebody in the RIC created mm-hmm. um which i don't think they've done in the past but since they are assuming that a lot of us are online uh you can have a video sermon um in ways that you wouldn't have been able to five years ago but uh it's i i love that they have RIC sunday in epiphany tide Hmm. because it's 
that worship service is all about there is a place for you at the table Mm -hmm. and God loves you. And I think that that as part of the revealing of who God is, is such a cool connection of, you know, God loves you just as you are. And here's how we know that. I I think that's so helpful. And I know that later in this series, we're going to take a look at how the different gospel writers take time to like demonstrate that in the kind of people Jesus calls or the opening words out of Jesus mouth and how inclusive they are. It's sometimes to the point of making people upset when, when they hear Jesus say those kinds of things. Um, But yeah, that, that idea that, uh, that part of getting to know God is to discover that God's character is inclusive from the beginning of you know gathering a bunch of outsider foreign magi to come and worship the christ child as well as a bunch of lowly smelly shepherds i mean like that it it starts there and it only gets wider um and that this is for you that wherever we are this this includes us i, I think that's very much what this season is about um and all the different ways that the the church has followed the cues of the biblical writers to try and get that across i I think that's that's important to get a sense of that's who god is that's at the heart of who god and and that maybe that's an important thing to say because everybody's default assumption about what god is like might not automatically assume that you know like when you think about way 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 back in the ancient times as christianity was just getting started um there were lots of people's understanding of their their local tribal or national god that was like the exclusive property of that people you know the the romans believed that uh you know jupiter was their god and uh you know particularly cared about them and the empire or you know the greeks or the persians they each had sort of their own pantheon that they sort of imagined were kind of protective and um almost like a mascot you know but it's a pretty big deal to say the coming of jesus means that god's um reach you could say or god's area of concern is everywhere for all peoples um and not just all as like um peons or subjects groveling at god's feet but like as welcome guests in god's house that's a pretty big idea um and again it 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 requires us taking some time to go yeah where do we get that idea from oh it comes from jesus oh it comes all over the place in the bible I, I think that's that's helpful, too, in um, making use of this time in the church's year that can otherwise sometimes feel like a low point, um, in part because, like, lots of people know the rhythms of getting ready for Christmas. And like it or not, the wider culture is doing Christmassy stuff already. That's sort of adding to that energy. And there's enough, I think, in, at least in, in the, the context where we are, awareness of Lent or Easter, that even for folks who aren't particularly churchy, they get that, okay, yep, that's part of that time of, of year. This can be one of those times where it can feel like, well, nothing much is going on. Sometimes we even call these Sundays the beginning of ordinary time, which, again, I, I get the origin of that language, but it can feel very, oh, this is just blah, you know, waiting until the exciting stuff. But if we treat this as a season of getting to know who God is or what God is like, um, the God, who is this, who is this God who loves you? Who is this Jesus who's called you? I think that's a, that's a pretty big deal and, and something worth getting excited about rather than just feeling like it's a low spot while attendance is low because of bad weather and flu season and things like that. Just wait until we get people to come back at Easter. You know, it, it gives a whole new energy to this season. I guess I think there's also an, an urgency that maybe, um, maybe I, I don't know that I, I paid attention to it other seasons of my life. Um, but that it's 
it seems more important than ever that people who name the name of Jesus, who are publicly identified as Christians or disciples of Jesus, have some regular reconnection with who and what matters to Jesus, because otherwise Mm -hmm. Jesus can end up becoming just sort of our private mascot that we use to baptize whatever we already want to be true. And I think that's a value of this time of year, that instead of, here's something that I like, Jesus must be a favorite because I like it. It's this sort of reconnection of like, what things matter to Jesus and how how does he shape me rather than me using him to rubber stamp what I want him to like? An image that I frequently bring to mind is one that you introduced me to, Steve, is that in American Gods, uh, that there are like in American Gods, if you believe in a God, that God has a physical manifestation here on earth. Yeah. Um, So like there's, uh, you know, Zeus and Thor. And then there's like lots and lots of different Jesuses. Yeah. Because so many of us have different ideas of who Jesus should be and what Jesus's mission should be Yeah. Um, that all of those different ideas manifested themselves into an actual yeah. talking, living, breathing being. Um, and like, I've never read American gods or seen the show, but yeah. like that image is so sharp in my mind yeah. because I know it's true. Yeah. Like the person who I profess to believe in and to follow is very different than the Jesus that I know some of my family members follow. Mm-hmm. And yet we both, we all say that we follow the Jesus in the new Testament. Yeah. And, and I, I like, I, I like the way you're framing this because the, the, the temptation for any of us, and certainly I, I feel it myself is to be like, anyone who doesn't agree with my Jesus is wrong. It, it, I, I, we're, we're all tempted to do that because Jesus is important and we don't want him to, you know, be, I don't know, sullied by the wrong, but yeah, there's a certain multiplicity. And yet I think there's, there's, there's worth of saying like, are there some broad brushstrokes of things we can say are this fits this, re- this is resonant with who and what Jesus is about at least as we get to know him in the scriptures and other places where we've turned Jesus into simply a mascot, but that he doesn't look anything like uh, what, what, I don't know, the, the, the historical Jesus or what the, the gospels picture of Jesus looks like. And I, I guess I think like, I get nervous when, you know, um, militaristic causes, you know, drape themselves in the language of religion or um, when um, I don't know, uh, uh, the prosperity gospel sort of message of like, you know, God's will is for you to, you know, get rich and who cares about your neighbor? They're lazy or something like that feels to me like that's pretty clearly at odds with, or pointed away from the direction mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um, that like, I would say like, we need, we need to have something that, that brings us back into reconnection with who Jesus really is. But I also get your, that, that point you're that, that seems to be waiting to be said in, in what you, what you reminded us of right now, that Jesus that everybody's going to bring slightly different nuances of, of that picture. And there's got to be some kind of breadth of, we don't all have to imagine the exact same figure. Um, but how do we, how do we live with that tension? Uh, there's going to be places where we have different, uh, different understandings of where Jesus is leading us. And yet it's the same Jesus. And are, also are there places where we got to be clear, this is, this ain't Jesus folks. And I think for me, it's very much, we have to be careful And remember that we are made in the image of God, 
not the other way around. Mm -hmm. That we Mm -hmm. shouldn't try to make God into our own image. That we shouldn't try to put God in a box to fit our definition of who God is. And Epiphany Tide for me, I feel like is such a good time to reground ourselves into how God has chosen to reveal God's self in the incarnation of Jesus Christ through the witness of the gospels. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself um, coming back over and over and over again, this, this time of year, even though it, it doesn't come up always in the lectionary, although it, it will this year later on. Um, there's that scene in Luke's gospel where Jesus makes his first public appearance at his hometown synagogue and he gets to you know, preach and he, he, whether it's, whether they had a lectionary and they handed him that scripture or he chose it for the day, he reads from Isaiah about the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he announces sort of, here's the agenda, you know, good news to the poor, liberation of the captive, jubilee language, that kind of thing. And at first everybody's like, yeah, this is great. We love this Jesus. Good job, Jesus. We're so proud. And then Jesus goes on to say, um, I know you want me to do more impressive stuff like I've done in other places, but, and then it goes on to list all these times in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, where God deliberately went outside the boundaries of who was acceptable. And, he, he, you know, and remember this time that God included Naaman the Syrian. He was, he was our enemy. Remember the time that God, you know, helped the, the uh, woman, the, the widow from uh, Zarephath. I mean, like he, he gives us these examples of God's love being for outsiders. And at that point, everybody wants to kill Jesus and they almost throw him off a cliff. Um, and to me, it feels like that's one of those places where Jesus is taking a claim about not only what he's about, but by extension, what the reign of God is about. And that it has a particular shape. It is deliberately inclusive of the people that um, the religious respectable people think should not be included. Jesus makes a point of saying, nope, I've been deliberately sent to include people that you all don't think are good enough. Um, and yet that, that story is very much also about different people with different expectations about what God's allowed to do and not allowed to do. So I, I at least for me, I find myself again and again coming back to a story like that going, this is what we need. Cause so often I'm one of the people sitting in that synagogue going, I like what he says, as long as he's patting me on the back and reinforcing my assumptions about God. But the moment he challenges me, we start picking up rocks. Yeah, because we don't like to be uncomfortable. Right, right. And And sometimes God pushes us to be in an uncomfortable place or to do uncomfortable things because it's the better thing for others and not necessarily the better thing for us and that's just it sometimes the thing that makes me uncomfortable is when it pokes at me is something i need to change in my life and sometimes we got to be honest we get uncomfortable when we hear god's love includes people that we didn't think were worthy um and i mean like i got to deal with my own issues when that's the when it's like how is this hurting me to discover that god loves gentiles why is this pushing my buttons and to discover oh man so often we're that crowd there in the synagogue wanting to hurl jesus off a cliff because he's reminded us we've slowly started to remake god in our image rather than us being shaped in god just like you said sarah so in these coming weeks, we're going to be taking a look at this whole idea, not just rehashing the story of the, the Magi who visit Jesus over and over and over again, but talking about what, what's what's valuable in this season, in this time, for how we get to know Jesus. And so that we're maybe being honest with ourselves, our plan in these coming weeks is to take a look at different ways that the the not only the church tradition has helped 
helped us get to know Jesus. But we're going to take a look at things like um, how did each of the gospel writers introduce us to Jesus? What things did they do to show us something about who this Jesus is that we say we worship uh, and who this Jesus is who has called us to be disciples? So that's sort of where we're headed from here, right? Yep. Other things we think we need to chart out for today? I hope that you will all join us for this journey on of Epiphany. Indeed. So catch us uh, next week as we dig further into uh, this season, this way of life, this time of understanding who God is called Epiphany Tide. And we'll uh, see you next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.